Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On today's episode of After the Snap, we'll be interviewing Buffalo Bills wide receiver and Mr. Four Touchdowns himself, Gabriel Davis. We'll also be covering some recent headlines today in the NFL world, including Tom Brady's latest post-retirement news with Fox Sports. It's time for After the Snap. Let's go. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. Hey, keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a bunch. Can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again. Twist a little bit deeper because you got thick skin. So, Reed. We had some huge, huge news out of the NFL this morning. Breaking news. Tom Brady has officially agreed to a 10-year, $375 million deal with Fox Sports. That's like double what Tony Romo and Troy Aikman are, are making right now. It's in, insanity. I think that was the first thing that came to my mind was like, First of all, 10 years. Huge. Romo's on, a, Romo's on a 10 year 180. But, but and Troy, 10 Eggman, years, Troy Eggman's on a five year 90. Yeah, 10 years is huge. Bananas. But I believe I also saw that that is more than he will have made in his entire NFL career, which is bonkers that he's going to make at that much in 10 years. I mean, it's, it's bananas. All I can seven a year to announce. Football games. All I could think me? about when he when that when that came out this morning, all I could think about was how perfect he is going to be doing that. If Tony oh, Romo, as Tony as good as Tony Romo has been, Tom Brady is going to be ten times better because his his, his first game is going to have historic ratings yeah, for sure. Whatever regular season game that is, it's going to be like AFC NFC Championship game yeah, numbers, for like. Sure. For sure. Tens of millions. The only thing that I'm surprised about with this deal is that they didn't do like a short-term tester contract. Now, Tom Brady is used to being in front of the camera. He's done it for 20-whatever years, and he's he's a natural just because he's been in front of the camera for so long. I'm surprised that they just jumped right into a 10-year deal with him from the jump. Like, what happens if he – if if – He's not as good as we think he's going to be, and it's you know terrible they, in the first year or two. Like, yeah, do they have a do they have an opt out in the contract to where they can get out of the last eight years of the deal? There's, there's or are they probably in? there's probably some sort of opt out because of that. Obviously, I mean, it, I don't know. That makes sense that there will be an opt out. You see it every year these these big free agency deals. The the numbers are massive right you pop you everybody wants to pump out like the biggest number possible but then 
you know, after the second or third year of the contract, there's an opt out or, you know, the, the contract is extremely backloaded where all the money's in the last, you know, two to three years of the deal. If it's a long-term contract, baseball does this all the time. I doubt that's how it is money wise. Like I, I bet I, I'm sure it's, it's relatively the same 37 and a half per year or, or close to it. Uh, over the length of the deal, but I'm sure there is a some kind of out for Fox just because there ha- there's no extended – nobody's had an extended look at Tom doing this. Obviously, yeah. easy to think that he's going to be great doing it, yeah. but you never know. Yeah, I was doing a quick Google search, and I couldn't find Drew Brees' uh, uh, NBC contract. They haven't made I think he public. got more. I think I want to say he got more than Romo and Aikman. He got more than okay. 18 a year. I mean, it's it's crazy to me to hear about these guys s- signing these deals and, and agreeing to these contracts before they ever even finish playing. Drew Brees did it. They, there were talks that Sean McVay was going to walk away after the Super Bowl to go be a commentator. And now Tom Brady has agreed to this deal whenever he retires. Like, they, you know, right. Strike while the be, iron's hot. It could I be mean, this it, year. It could be yeah. next year. It could be three years. They, uh, yeah. It's whenever he's done playing, he's got 375 million waiting for him right now. Yep. Well, one more thing I wanted to hit on uh, that I thought was very interesting and something we've covered at length on the podcast uh, over the year past year plus, uh, just before we get into our interview with Gabe, I wanted to hit on this new NCAA guidance, you know, quote guidance uh, that they came out with for the NIL stuff and the boosters. Clearly, there's been a huge issue, I'm going to say, with boosters stepping in. We've hit, we talked about it before. Uh-huh. Chaos, chaos, yeah. uh, with different companies and LLCs and private money. I mean, there's, there's literally no idea. I mean, if, if you thought it was bad before with money under the table, it's worse now. Maybe I don't really know because yeah. I'm not there, but from what we're hearing, there's just so much money being thrown around. I mean, there, there's a, I, I think it was, I think he played at my plays at Miami. Uh, for the University of Miami as a basketball player that threatened to transfer if he didn't get enough NIL money. He said he wanted like $5 million in NIL deals negotiated by the school. That's bonkers. Or else he would leave. But the the NCAA is now, obviously, it was coming all along. Since, you know, this is a side effect that they didn't know, you know, it's is a didn't obviously didn't realize was going to, maybe be this bad some people did but uh like like us like us but they say basically trying to retract if you will on the interim laws that they came out with last year they're basically trying to go back and fix the mistakes that they made by not coming out with like an official rule book policy and they're basically trying to go back and, and fix their mistakes one by one and i'm sure to the high heavens that these lawyers for these schools or these, that these boosters and the players on the player side are just chomping at the bit for the NCAA to, to make some more rules against stuff that they've already tried. They're they're already doing and have tried to do already. I'm sure it's, I mean, it's, 
it's going to be yeah. a long road. Yeah. The big, the big thing to me that comes out of these new guidelines is the sort of breakdown of the definition of a booster and how right. the, the boosters are now being bunched into the recruiting side of things, which is funny because we just talked to Jalen Waddle a couple of weeks ago about how this is going to develop. And the, right. the biggest thing that he said was that how this was going to affect recruiting. And now 100%. they're just 100% going to pull it out and, and just completely do away with it. This particular article uh, from OutKick says that the definition could also include collectives that are set up to funnel name, image, and likeness deals to prospective student-athletes or enrolled student-athletes who might consider transferring. Texas A&M, Alabama, I'm sure LSU, all of these schools who've set up these LLCs basically to just send over money, not having to do any kind of promoting. They don't have to do any, you know, they don't have to do anything. It's just cash going into their bank account. Yep. That's going away. And I can't say that I disagree with that. I don't think that that's a fair way of making money off of your name, image, and likeness. Now, t-shirts, doing public appearances, traditional name, image, and likeness billboards. I was, I was back home in Atlanta and saw, um, Nicobe Dean was on a, was on a billboard. University of Georgia just, just got drafted. Uh, he was on a billboard for like a, like a personal injury attorney and things like that. I, I feel like are, you know, good and beneficial, but these LLCs that are set up to just basically funnel them money. I'm okay with them doing away with that. I definitely have to agree with you. I think it's, you're not using what I'm going to say, what we and the athletes have fought so hard for, which is to make money the right way. Right. And, and, you know, I know it's, it's a, it's funny to like throw this word in with the NCAA, but an honest way, you know, because it used to be so far on the other side where you couldn't make any money and you got suspended and everything. If you did take money or if they found out you take money and took money, I guess now it's moved so far this way where there's no limits and guys are just, guys are just signing to go play somewhere and getting handed a check or getting handed a suitcase of cash without having to do anything for it. A McDonald's find, bag, maybe a what a McDonald's bag, maybe a McDonald's bag. Let's find a middle ground, which I get is what they're trying to do, but it's not, like I said before, it's not going to be easy. It's a long road back to middle ground. Yeah. One other thing that I just wanted to note from this particular article as well, the NCAA enforcement staff, as part of this whole guidance and the new guidelines and all of the policies and stuff that they're they're coming out with, says they're only going to investigate deals uh, retroactively that are clearly contrary to the published interim policy. So they're not going to go back searching through every single NIL deal. They're not going to, they're not going to try and, you know, fork through all of that stuff. They're only going to include the most severe violations. We'll see who gets maybe lumped into that. It'll be interesting over the next couple yep. of months to see the news that comes out, but, um, going Sounds forward. Sounds very, is, uh, subjective yeah for sure for sure uh going forward i think that's where we're really going to see the most the most change no doubt well coming up next on after the snap our interview with buffalo bills wide receiver gabriel 
Davis. We're joined today by none other than Mr. Seminole High School himself, the Sanford, Florida product, Mr. Four Touchdowns, fisherman extraordinaire, aspiring golfer, question mark. Mr. Gabe Davis, Gabe, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate that introduction. That's a great one. I wonder how long it took you when you wrote that down to be able to see all this nice. I want to hear I to, um, I, I was thinking of things to add. I know we, we played golf last week. I was going to hit on it later on in, in the podcast, but how are you taking lessons right now? How, how's that going? Oh, the golf game's going terrible. I was actually playing solid. Next two of us. Yeah. I was playing solid last year and then didn't play because of the season. So then that kind of went downhill. But now I'm trying to get back in the groove, so I'm slowly getting back. Slowly getting back. I want to hear about the, the fisherman extraordinaire part of this. I saw you, you've had some history in, in Florida, so there's a lot of, a lot of fishing to be had in, in Florida. What's the, what's the fisherman extraordinaire part of all of this? Yeah, no, I started fishing when I was like probably like nine. I just literally just used to go in with, the, with the rod and, and literally go and catch uh, bluegill all day with hot dogs, bread, you know, whatever you had in the house. And I would do that. And then my grandpa took us out bass fishing. And I remember the first time I caught a bass when I was using, I used a red and black speed worm. And I saw this big thing in the water. I just kept throwing that and ended up getting him the bite and caught it. And that kind of started the whole like fishing. So now, I mean, I do it all. I'll go out in the salt water, the backwater, we'll get snug redfish. I've been deep. I've been offshore, really don't like it that much. Caught a couple smallmouth here up here in Buffalo. Fly fishing, I've went steelhead fishing, haven't landed one successfully yet. And I've been caught flies off, caught bass off of flies and everything. It's been fun. That's an impressive uh, portfolio you got there. Yeah, man, we're trying to get sponsored by all the big names. I have to pay for anything anymore. Come on. What we like to do on here, just give you a little background on the show um, with our guests, uh, is just tell a little bit about their story, uh, personal life, as well as jump into and explore um, a little bit of the off-field aspects of their life since the show is after the snap. I wanted to get into your personal story just a little bit. You grew up in Sanford, Florida, a little north of Orlando. Is that correct? Yep. And uh, you played ball at Seminole High School. Uh, tell us a little bit about Sanford, the area you grew up in, and how did your football journey begin? Sanford is a small town, small country town, um, a little bit of a mix of every, everybody and everything, but Usually if you're from Sanford and you're playing, you play for Sanford. I played for Sanford a couple of years and moved to another Sanford league. Um, but again, all those kids I kind of played with I, and I grew up with and was the same age. We kind of all went. And then that's how Signal High School, you know, was was made. We had all the kids from Sanford all going to all going to Signal because their parents went or, you know, their parents have some type of connection there. So we had uh, great years there doing that. In the football career, I was always tell a story. We were at Hooters, and I, I was playing flag football at the time, um, and I was probably around like eight years old. And it was the Super Bowl when it was the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cardinals. And this is kind of how Larry Fitzgerald has became like my favorite player, kind of a role model to how I want to play the game. And he sat there. He caught that short. He caught that slant and and took it to the house for a touchdown and put Arizona up. And I said, "Man, I want to do. I want to do what he does." And literally, that's like how it all kicked off. And I was like, Mom, I want to play tackle football. And she put me in, and we put on pads, and I was scared as hell. Uh, didn't want to be out there. Was sick. Uh, was throwing up. And, you know, I wanted to quit. And I told my mom I wanted to quit. My mom's like, 
if you quit now, you quit for the rest of your life. And that kind of just after that, it just kicked off from there. And now I'm here. When you started playing, obviously you started playing football early, but did you play any other sports? Were you a two-sport athlete uh, growing up in high school or anything? No, no. I, I was I only played football all throughout growing up because we had spring and fall. And, you know, my mom's schedule was crazy, so she couldn't take us everywhere and we couldn't do everything. So we kind of just picked football and ran with it. What was your recruiting journey like, and uh, when did you realize that you would have a shot at playing in the college ranks and then even at the next level on Sundays? It was always my dream since I was nine years old uh, to make to the NFL, and I knew that there was no plan B. It was all, I'm going to the NFL no matter what. I don't know where that mindset came from. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm nine years old saying, like, you know, telling these kids what I'm going to do, and they think it's crazy because I wasn't that good at the time either. Most kids just want to be a firefighter or something. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, <laughs> you know, and, you know, you, 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 we're in the world now, that mentality of living your dream, you know, like, you know, when you tell people, you tell older people that, you know, they kind of put their insecurities on you to make you feel like you can't do it. But it was like I never felt that way. I always knew, like, whatever I wanted to be, I can do it. And my mom instilled that into me as well. But I saw how hard she worked to, to be able to take care of us, and I kind of – took that into the football game at a young age and was very successful with it. I mean, I always felt like I was being in the NFL. I always knew I was going to be in the NFL. I, I feel like I, I put the type of work in to do it. But it was probably when I for sure knew I was going into my junior year of college and I was just, I wouldn't say I was just dominating. I mean, you know, that sounds kind of arrogant, but I was just, I was, I was being real. I you was can really brag a little bit. You know, I was really successful in, what, and when it came to the camp and when it came to working out and, and competing, and I just knew that I had a shot. And I was around guys um, since my junior high school. I was around Saquon Barkley, Dak Prescott, Derrick Henry, and I saw what work looks like at that level. And I saw what pros do to be pros. And I and I took that, and I knew I was a step ahead of everybody. And once I seen that, and I knew that all I have to do is just sacrifice, you know, all the fun stuff, you know, spring break, Christmas break. I was working with the pros, doing what I could do to become better. And that's when I knew I, I was putting my game to the best at that time because I was around the best. And that's when I knew I knew it was like, man, when, when it comes to my junior year, I'm going to be able to leave after this year. I even told my guidance counselor, Miss Tara, I said, don't tell me to do schoolwork. I'm not doing it. Now, I don't suggest that. You we know, didn't come here to play school. Yeah, I didn't come here to play school. You know, it's a it's a. <laughs> You know, school first, football second kind of a thing. Right. And uh, I kind of took that, and that's when I knew, like, man, I know I'm going to make it. You always so, used to joke with some guys, some of the, like, superstar guys that I played college with. Like, they say you're student athlete, but those guys, like, there's a small group of guys that are athletic students. Exactly. It's, exactly. The, it's the other way around. It's the yeah, other way around. Right. Flip it. it who were a couple of guys? I know you said Larry Fitzgerald. Who were a couple of guys that you grew up uh, watching and and sort of try to implement uh, a little, you know, a little bit of your game, kind of after them? So growing up, I was a Green Bay fan. Um, I was a big fan of Randall Cobb. I was a big fan of Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver. Like I always watched those guys. You know, that's all I ever had around me. Um, growing up, big Aaron Rodgers fan. But when it came to receivers and I started to grow up more, uh, I like Michael Thomas. I like DeAndre Hopkins. You know, bigger guys that are that are um, making those contested catches and, you know, probably aren't the quickest guys on the field but still get open um, and are, really, are real violent when it comes to running their routes and, and getting off the line of scrimmage. So I try to mimic that game and take that uh, as my, you know, my, my, my strength 
as a receiver, being a bigger guy, just being strong, being physical, being violent to make the catches that I, that I want to make. I saw your younger brother uh, signed with UCF while you were still playing there. Reed and I obviously have the history of playing in college together. Were you guys there at the same time together? Tell us kind of about that experience with both of you being at UCF. Yeah, no. So he, I, I left the year that he was going there. Okay, so, so I, you didn't overlap. I, yeah, no, we didn't overlap. You know, I'm, I'm glad he was able to kind of follow in my footsteps to go to the school that – because funny story, my brother – so my brother, and I don't know if I'll get in trouble, who cares. My mom, he would sit – like when he was younger, he was a little saucy. He would sit on the sideline. Like he, he wasn't playing. And my mom's like, I'm not paying to watch you sit on the sideline. So she takes him out of football from probably like 10. And so she's like, you, you'll be able to play when you play for free. So then he gets to high school, and that's when he kind of started his football journey. So it was his it was his punishment was that he because he wasn't playing well enough, he and he wasn't oh, yeah. getting a game time. She was like, "I'm not, I'm not paying money to come to, to come watch oh. you on the bench." <laughs> oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. And I kind of set a standard in the house of what you know a person oh, has to, when we play sports, you know. And that's how my mom kind of grew up too. You know, she grew up real tough as well. I mean, that's how. And then again, that's how she raised us. But I mean. You know, that's 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 how I was raised, man. My mom loved that. that dedication to excellence, for sure. Jumping forward a bit, kind of get into the professional side of things the past couple of years. You're drafted to Buffalo. Um, success, your personal success uh, on the field is is pretty well documented over the past couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most dominant part of your game as a receiver? My most dominant is probably me knowing all the positions. Um, I feel like that helps me out because I know what everybody else is doing and I can kind of read the defense to figure out what they're going to do based on, you know, the, the route concepts we're running on e- on whatever side I'm on or even the backside. So it helps me out a lot to be able to know where the spots are going to be because I know what everybody else is doing as well. And I feel like that's how um, it helps me kind of get open. I know uh, Beasley's big on that as well. Cole helped me out a bunch with that when it comes to him running those option routes in the slot. And he's a real guru when it comes to, uh, being a receiver in that position. But I would definitely say, you know, knowing the playbook is so, so helpful for me because, you know, and that's the thing that I talk about. Like, I run a 4 or 5, like I'm a slow receiver. Like, there's guys that run, you know, the 4 threes, the 4 4s, and some 4 twos. But it's like, are they playing at that speed? Because you got to be able to process the playbook and then get out there and know what to do and be able to adjust on the fly. And it's like, if you can't if you can't go out there and process that fast enough, you're going to play slower. And I feel like with me, it's like, yeah, I'm a four or five guy, but I'm going to play at four or five because I'm going to know when I'm out there on the field what's going on as soon as I hear it, as soon as I see what's going on. So I feel like that's a big advantage for me. What was your What was your major in college? I feel like you're a really smart guy. My major was interdisciplinary stu- again, interdisciplinary okay. studies. But I regret it though because. I do like to read a lot of stuff. I do like to read about like what's going on in the world and everything and yeah. kind of figure out you know, like new things. I love Jordan Peterson. I feel like an idiot whenever he's talking because I can never understand hey, him all. That makes two of us. Yeah, I sit there and press pause. He's interesting to think to. He's interesting to listen to, but I, some of the stuff he's saying, I'm like, I have no idea oh, what you just said. He, he's talking about the most simplest thing, but it's like oh, he, yeah. he, he's so articulate. And like, so when he's talking every 10 to 15 seconds, I got to pause and look up the word that he says. So I understand what the whole sentence means. 
And it's like, that's what I do, like, literally all day. I listen to smart people on podcasts talk about, you know, everything, like anything. I listen to everything. It's, 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 that, makes, it's that makes three of us on here. How much has Steph helped you since he, you know, since you guys met and have been playing together, obviously coincided at the same time. But Steph and coach, uh, your coach, Chad Hall, uh, local Roswell guy uh, for mm-hmm. our Georgia listeners. But how much have they helped you kind of become the, the receiver you are today? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Chad, Chad just is is the best. You know, when it comes to receiver coaches, I mean, he's he's got to be the best in the game. The biggest thing I feel like for us receivers is like he makes everybody comfortable, and he he he, he understands that everybody's human, and everybody's gonna make mistakes, and he's never grilling us or anything. And you know, he he just wants us to learn. And Chad makes everybody so comfortable out there to go out there and play the way they play football. And that's what makes our receiver core so good. And Chad also, again, he can point out the, the weaknesses that we have in our game and he has drills like set up for him to, for us to get better at. And again, um, I can't, I can't like not, I can't not bring up how important it is for a receiver to be comfortable to know that he's going to make, like know that mistakes are going to happen. I feel like when a, when a coach is on a, on players and if they drop a ball, it's a big deal. Or if they mess a play up, it's a big deal. It's like, man, that's that's going to happen from time to time. You just got to pick it up, pick it up, and keep moving. Um, but Chad played the game, so Chad understands that. Chad knows that no matter you know how many balls you catch on the jugs, no matter how many times you study, you're out. There's going to be a time where you mess up. And again, he he lets us play free, and that helps us a lot. And then with Steph, Steph's just a great leader. He's a competitor. He's an alpha. He's an alpha male. Um, he brings that energy. He brings that competitive side to the game and him helping me. I mean, just I, all I have to do is watch him. You know, he'll explain things to me as well and how he runs certain routes and what he thinks about when he's out there. But just being able to visually see him do what he does and then him being able to tell me, you know, what's going on in his head when he's doing these things is what's really kind of stepping my game up and making me change some of my route running and how to make everything look the same and how to set certain stuff up. So I'm definitely learning a lot from him. One of the things that Jalen Waddle mentioned two weeks ago on our podcast was the addition of Tyreek Hill just made everybody in the room step their game up a little bit higher. That sounds exactly like what what Stefan has done in that room. Just bringing that extra level of competitive nature makes everybody want to be even just even just like one percent better every single day so um it's cool that there are that there are people who just have that effect just naturally next question we have for you i know this is probably a tough memory to pull back if you weren't already on people's radar the four touchdown game against the chiefs probably put you on their radar even in the loss, how has that performance set you up for success going forward? Yeah, I mean, of course, the game, it was a playoff game. You know, setting records was – it was a blessing. I was so happy to be able to have a game like that. Unfortunately, we did lose, which sucks. But, you know, I felt like I was kind of – I've always been overlooked all my years of playing uh, football. Um, again, because I, I can talk about uh, I'm not the fastest guy. I wasn't the quickest guy. Um, I wasn't the strongest guy. So I was just always kind of overlooked as a guy who they really didn't know if I was a tight end or a receiver. Um, and I feel like that was being questioned all throughout, even when I got to the NFL, if I was going to be fast enough to be able to compete with the guys. I know that was a that was a couple hits I got on um, my rating when it came to, you know, Ken Gabriel Davis play receiver in the NFL. So 
when it comes to when it comes to my mindset, I mean, I always just kind of remember that I have that chip on my shoulder. I mean, and that's in anything, whether I'm I'm out there conditioning with the guys or we're in the weight room or we're out there competing in practice. I try to keep that same mindset. And, you know, fortunately, I was able to get a great opportunity in that Chiefs game to be able to show what I can do. And I was it was a it was the biggest blessing I could have had. And, you know, I know it's going to bring a lot of attention. Now. I feel like people are still kind of second guessing it because, you know, you can have the excuses of, well, he was only single covered when days and bees were double covered or, you know, he was going against their fourth guy or there's so many excuses on what people can say, why I had such a great game, you know, but again, it was a, it was a, it was a good goal for me because now like the guy that I grew up watching and um, wanting to mimic I'm now in the same position as him in the in the playoff records, you know, Lay Fitzgerald and Jerry Rice um, when it came to touchdowns and playoffs. So it's just been a it's been a blessing. People love to hate from the sidelines, I think. Yeah, of course. You know, the the people that can do it have the have the most to say about it. Last two questions for you, and then we're gonna get into uh what we call short snaps, which are a couple of quick fire questions just to finish it off. But Moving to some of the off, off the field stuff, like I mentioned before, you obviously like to fish. We, we hit on that a little bit. And, uh, you know, the Bills embedded video, I think you posted that and I, I watched it. Um, they did a great job. Uh, just dropped last week. Uh, we talked about golf game a little bit, aspiring, uh, trying to break a hundred myself. Yeah. Um, so we're both trying to improve our game there, but what are some other hobbies? off the field that you like to uh, kind of dig your feet into in the off season? Literally, there's not like any too much, like again, golfing and fish, like fishing's been a big one, clearly. And then golfing's one that I know will be a future game that I'll be playing a lot of for sure. But when it comes to me, I mean, I want to, I want to learn kind of how to, how to hunt the right, you know, and do it the right way and be the, be the best at it. It's a lot of fun shooting guns and stuff. I'm um, also want to go through like those training courses as well to be able to, you know, be in situations where if you had to use a gun in a situation like in a hostile situation, you're you're comfortable with doing that. You know, it's easy. Like, you know, we live down in Florida, so it's easy to own a gun. But being able to use it and being comfortable with it is the whole next step of, of owning one. And I feel like everybody has to be kind of responsible when it comes to that aspect of it. Not just over here just walking around with guns on you, but being able to use it the right way and be safe with it as well. Uh, Bart- I, I had one more. I had one more. Just um, do you follow the whole grills mafia thing that reed's got going on are you seeing any of that stuff grills mafia yeah so so reed you can give maybe give a little bit of insight into that but i was curious if you do any kind of grilling or uh cooking at all but reed you can you can share a little bit more into the grills mafia thing first it's a merch line that i started just a brand um it kind of got popular about a year ago last off season a lot of the Bills fans, I post a lot of the food and the barbecue that I make and stuff I do on the grill. So we came up with the name Grills Mafia. So it's got we we just released uh, some some t shirts and stuff, but we did, we had Larry we had Larry Fleet on this week or last week. He said he was big big into the barbecue, so I'm going to send him a shirt. But uh, we were wondering if you if you did any grilling. No, I I don't. <laughs> But I had Traeger had just sent me a nice a nice grill. Oh, but it's nice! Like, I appreciate the grill because I don't know how to use the grill. 
like I didn't like I didn't grow up like we're out there grilling, having cookouts and stuff. Like I didn't grow up doing none of that. So it's kind of embarrassing to be a man and not know how to grill. Like it is embarrassing. Like, well, it sounds like it sounds like you got a teammate that can that can show you the ropes a little bit. He yeah. is what we like to call a meat fluencer. He uh, likes to share the smoked meats that he puts on the trigger. So. Uh, read all that taken care of. I'll let you get into the last. Wait, wait. So, you, so you like that? So you like that smoke flavored meat, or you like? Oh yeah, yeah. everything. I've got a, um, I've got a, tra- I've got a couple triggers. I've got a charcoal grill, a gas grill. You can, do a, you can do, uh, you can do it all. That's like the ultimate, like dad, like flex. Oh yeah, <laughs> I got, I got all the grills. I got all, all the grills. They come with, they come with the sandals that yep, you see at exactly. the cookout on on exactly. Saturdays. <laughs> The only one I'm missing is a flat top, flat top grill. Um, so like, have you ever, have you ever had the A5 Wagyu? Uh, twice. And twice. Have you, cook, you cook it on the grill? Or do you- I have made it. And I did it uh, once on the grill. I did it in a cast iron. Okay. Um, it was amazing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I had it. What? So this this place it's, called it's, Wagyu it's, Shop. It's very buttery. I love the taste. Dude, this place called the Wagyu Shop sent me like. Twenty five hundred, like three thousand dollars worth of like just wagyu beef. Love and, that, bro. That steak. It's I can't eat another steak. Well, who, who 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 grilled it for you? My my trainer did. My trainer knows oh. how to cook. Yeah, <laughs> my trainer Bert. Shout out, Bert. Can't waste that. Cook. You can't waste. That's uh, high quality stuff. Well, it's only like what you always put it on there for like four minutes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Super. It's super super quick. I was yeah. at uh, I was at a restaurant, a steak restaurant, about a week ago, and the waiter was telling us that there are actually steaks that are higher than A five. There's like A ten, A eight, all the way up to like A ten. And if you look at an, if you Google search an A ten steak, it's like completely white. It's the fat content is is completely white. And he said he went to like this exclusive like Wagyu tasting. He was holding a raw Wagyu A10 steak in his hand, and he said just the heat from his hand and Man. the high and the high fat content on the steak. He said it started like getting oily, and his hand like temperature was cooking the meat. What crazy blew my mind, blew my mind. Uh, but yeah, it looks like a snowball steak when you yeah. when you look at it. Yeah, it's wild. Last thing for you, Gabe. Um, I remember in the 2020 season, I heard, uh, I saw a story come across my timeline of you helping out your high school uh, by covering some of the expenses for, I think it was their playoff. Uh, yeah, the playoffs. The playoffs. And then you also provided some Thanksgiving meals to your to some of the local first responders back in your hometown. Are you involved in any is there any other charity we can kind of shout out that you work with kind of specifically or a group of charities that we can uh, provide some airtime to um there's not like any set like group of charities that i do it's just literally i just you know try to help with whatever areas i feel like i want to help or feel like i need help or want so you know me and matt did the thing with uh, uh jackson we got him some running legs so this 50 50 legs thing is a prosthetic company that literally will give these kids new brand new legs all throughout until they're 18 years old. So it's like, that's the other thing they're doing. Me and Matt got together and we were able to get a kid a set of legs, Jackson, which is awesome. And he got some blades to run with too as well. 
I did the first responder thing because me, I have two guys I grew up with that are now both a sheriff and a deputy. So, you know, those guys go through some stuff that no one even knows about on a daily basis and, you know, say what you want about them. At the end of the day, you don't see, you don't hear about 99.9% of what they have to deal with every single day. So um, definitely got to look out for those guys. And then, oh, the high school thing. I mean, I, I knew back when I was younger, I want people to support us when I was playing to be able to have the nice things or be able to just get where we need to go. And those guys actually end up winning the state championship. So it's like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm glad I was able to be a part of that. So, so Gabe, we want to finish with yeah. a couple of questions that we like to call short snaps. And we'll kind of go rapid fire. These are just some fun uh, personality questions. The first one that we have for you is, what is your favorite away stadium that you've played in so far? I mean, even though we lost in every single time, I'd say the Chiefs. I love playing at Chiefs. It's fun. Making those, making those, making those people be quiet for a, a couple of times. So, yeah. <laughs> Least favorite away stadium? I'd probably say, probably say MetLife. Was it MetLife? Is that the Jets? Jets, yeah. I don't like their stadium. I don't like going there for some reason. Favorite post game meal? I would say my favorite was probably. I'll, put, I'll give a shout out to Isaiah. He gave us uh, the Thryla barbecue. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, that was, that was high on my list too. Uh, yeah, so I, I'll, I'll give him a shout out on that one, and I'll let him. So if you're ever in Miami, go to Lafayette Barbecue and go get some good barbecue. I've actually never heard of that, and I live like right near where Isaiah grew up, so I'll have yeah, to. Well, he, I'll have to go check out. Check it yeah, out. There's like one or two barbecue spots <laughs> down there, so it's yeah, there's even. there's not too not not too many down they here. Were, somebody yeah. was joking with him yesterday that that he got that I guess his restaurant got voted. The number one barbecue spot in Miami. Yeah, it's like and they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, one of one of one. Yeah, yeah right. we give them a hard time. <laughs> right. hard time like, it's like how like, many bro, are there actually? Right. Yeah, we're like, bro, you want the best barbecue in Miami, Florida? Yeah, I'm saying it's not like you want it in Austin, Texas, right? Kansas City or <laughs> Carolina, yeah, Carolina's like you want it in Miami, Florida. You know, Latin food, you know, you know what I mean? You got just about everything else under the sun <laughs> except barbecue. Except barbecue. Yeah. Uh, this next one comes out of the uh, Kansas City game that y'all played Sunday night earlier this year, uh, or I guess this past season. The halftime rain delay, Reed was standing around with a couple guys, and he was actually complaining about how much peanut butter was on the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches from the locker room. Turns out the NBC sideline reporter was standing close by and it actually made it on the broadcast. And we ask this question to everybody that comes on the pod, football player, non-football player, it doesn't matter. What is your perfect PB&J ratio? I used to just eat all peanut butter like sandwiches. Like, oh it my just, goodness. It was just straight peanut butter. I used to eat like six of them a day. Back when I was in high school. You're trying to gain weight? Yeah, I was trying to gain weight. So I'd eat, you know, I'd eat two at two in the morning, two at lunch, and then two at dinner. We like drinking chocolate milk and stuff. But now it's like I can't have too much peanut butter on there. Like I need more. It needs to be more jelly than the peanut butter because the peanut butter is just like Josh, Josh likes all the I think Josh or Jake Coomer, he, they love like all the peanut butter on there. I'm like, it's gross. It's terrible. So are you saying like sixty forty? Jelly, yeah, see, jelly to peanut butter? 
Yeah, I'd say sixty wow. forty. Yeah, jelly. I think I think you may be the first person first we've had person. on the pod that has gone more jelly than peanut butter. The last two that we've had have been seventy five twenty five peanut butter, and I'm like, man, that is like sticking to the roof of your mouth peanut butter. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah, I don't do that. And then the last so much for me. Last question that we've got for you is a hot dog a sandwich? No. What do no. you consider it? A hot dog. A hot dog. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know. So what, I don't okay. So what's up? Do you have you ever heard of a hoagie? Is a is is a hoagie? What's a hoagie? Is a Philly cheesesteak a sandwich? The sub? Yeah. Is a Philly cheesesteak a sandwich? Uh, yeah. What's the difference between that and a hot dog? Well, the sub, <laughs> a sub sandwich. I mean, you don't hear anyone say a hot dog sandwich. You hear people say sub sandwich. You don't hear people say hot dog sandwich. Is a hot dog a taco? A hot dog is just, I don't, a hot dog is just a hot dog. I don't even know okay. what it yeah. is. I don't even know who thought to put it like that. Put the hot dog <laughs> bread like that. I don't either. Um, all right. Well, that's a wrap uh, on the podcast. Thank you, Gabe, for joining us. This has been uh, a blast for us. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing you dominate this upcoming season. Thanks again. Yes, not not too not too dominant. Well, at least, at least for two games. We got to see. We got to see. We got to see. Well, that was a great interview, Blake, with Gabe. I know I enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. But it, it sounds like. I need to step my fishing game up, but in return for some fishing lessons, I might need to uh, to sneak Gabe over on the grill and teach him how to barbecue a little bit. I think that would be a perfect one-for-one swap. Get you a little crankbait action going for a little bit of grill master action going for Mr. Yeah. Davis. I've, I've got, a, I'm going to say a lot of guys that I know that fish regularly and especially more now that we've moved to Texas, it's huge down there. Yeah. And I've just never really, uh, we never really went growing. I mean, dad went kind of growing up, but I just never, you know, I just never, uh, you know, I'd rather sit in a tree stand than have a pole in the water. Um, I guess it's, you know, it's, it's, you got to have a lot of patience for either one. So Anyway, I thought it was a great, great interview. He was awesome. Yeah. If you want to follow Gabe on the socials, Instagram, you can follow him at Gabe Davis. And then on Twitter, you can follow him at Gabe Davis 13 underscore. Don't forget the underscore. Do not forget the underscore because you won't find him. That's right. Blake, we're just getting started on this YouTube thing. Uh, I think it's going great. Uh, we've got some uh, some solid feedback so far. So we hope everybody is enjoying uh, watching us and seeing us face-to-face here. We're, we're having a great time. If you don't listen to us or watch us on YouTube and you're listening should. to us on Spotify or iTunes, you totally should go check us out on YouTube. That's right. See our big, um, big pearly right. white teeth that's right. smiling at you. That's right. <laughs> uh, we got some great uh, interviews, a couple great interviews coming up uh, in the next few weeks. Some big name guys. I'm not going to share who. That's just the teaser I'm giving out. So we'll 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 see about that. Those will be coming to you live uh, here in the, in the next few weeks. But as always, we appreciate everybody that subscribes and uh, gives us ratings and reviews. Those help us grow the podcast, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, 
and YouTube as well, wherever you listen to your podcast. So we, we greatly appreciate those ratings and reviews. Uh, we, we, we try to read all of them. Uh, and if you would like to follow us on social media, uh, after the snap pod on Twitter and Instagram, the same, uh, same username. So at after the snap pod, uh, this has been after the snap tales with <laughs> tales from two brothers who live life upside down. Totally screwed that up. <laughs> Hit it. See y'all, see y'all next week.